On today's show, we'll be joined by Bindu Bose to discuss Alperin Shingun facing his first step up in competition. A huge test, if you will, against the Miami Heat, Bam Adebayo, and the rest of that Heat roster. What's he going to look like in his first difficult matchup after going you know, against the San Antonio Spurs in the preseason opener, missing the step up in competition against the Toronto Raptors. How will other guys play off of him like KJ Martin, Jay Shantate, all of that. Plus, the Houston Rockets facing their roster crunch, having to trim the roster down from the 20 names that they've been carrying throughout the offseason, getting it down to 15 over the course of this next week. Who are some of the names to keep an eye on? Who are the guys that make the most sense to potentially remove from the equation as the roster has to be slimmed down to 15 names before the start of the season. We're going to talk about all of that as well as other takeaways, other expectations for Rockets Heat, the third preseason game, all that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You get at somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. We are free and available on every single podcast platform, including YouTube. Joining us now is the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor Ben DuBose, who is also, drum roll if you will, which I'm going to do the drum roll because the last drum roll we got on this episode was terrible. We're going to do a drum roll. Your new second weekly co-host for Locked on Rockets, which means every single week you will get one episode with Ali Kambijani and myself, and then one episode with the podfather Ben DuBose. Kicking off your week strong, Ben it's one I'm excited to have you back on board on a weekly basis. You know, when, when I first took over LOR from you, you know, you were still really attached to the show. You were for a long, long time after that. And then, uh, you know, we just got into a, a period where our schedules, you know, weren't super aligned. And, but it's it's going to be a ton of fun to have you, you know, as part of the show weekly moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to do it. Obviously, I have a very long term connection with this show and it. If I'm going to do this on a weekly basis, there's no better place than right here where it all started. All right. Well, with that, I think the the biggest kind of storyline that I want to talk about here to get us started going into Rockets versus Heat is is actually Alper and Shingun. I, I'm hmm. very curious to see how this game plays out for him, even though it's a preseason game. Seeing him match up with Bam Adebayo, who's arguably you know top five, maybe top three center in the league, depending on who you ask. If you value defense versus offense, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that in and of itself is a really interesting matchup. And then secondarily to that is the Omer Yurt Seven matchup as well. Two, you know, two of the the premier Turkish players in the league, if you will, between Alper and Shingun and Yurt Seven. And they didn't actually get to play against each other or play with each other, I should say, for the Turkish national team in EuroBasket over the summer. And that was actually a bit of a like kind of 
hot topic amongst like Turkish basketball fans who are really upset with Yurt Seven for choosing to stay, you know, mm-hmm. stateside and work on his game in the offseason instead of coming back for the Turkish national team. So I wonder if maybe Alper and Shingun feel some kind of way about that as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, if there's maybe, I don't want to say bad blood there. He called him his brother in, in, in the practice interview. So I know he's looking forward to playing against him, but I just think that's a really unique set of matchups at the five spot that Alpi is going to face. Yeah, for sure. And I think it really dovetails with uh, the broad tests for the team as a whole because when you look at game one and game two game one yeah they won by 38 but let's be honest the Spurs were terrible the Rockets just out talented them and then the theme was going into game two okay you're going to take up uh, a step up in weight class going from the Spurs to the Raptors and obviously the team as a whole met that challenge they won by 16 Jalen Green Tari Eason played very well but then you had three starters be it Alperin Shingun Eric Gordon and Jabari Smith that weren't out there and of those three, Jabari uh, and Eric are not coming back. So all P is the only guy that is going to be back. So really, he is the one guy. I agree with you. Even before we go into Am, uh, Bam Adebayo, Shingun is the one that's facing sort of the step up in weight class in ways that his teammates already did with the Toronto game. So there is more for Shingun to prove just doing it against a team that's not the Spurs. He hasn't done that yet. And then when you look at going up against Bam and the types of physical bigs that the Heat always have, just a deep stable of them, as you were mentioning, yeah, it's a big challenge because what struck me after that opener against the Spurs, and we talked about this ourselves, was just how much the Rockets' offense was running through Shingun. It wasn't just the plays he was making. It was just the fact that everything, it felt like when he was on the floor, even with KPJ and Jalen Green out there at the same time, it really felt like the option number one was through LP, be it in the low block, be it the high post, be it uh, kicking to shooters or Jabari diving to the rim for a dunk. All P was the guy that was initiating the offense. And the obvious caveat to all of it is, well, it's the Spurs. Now you get to see, I don't know if it's so much the one-on-one matchup because, you know, Jakob Pertl is a pretty good defender in terms of what the Spurs could offer one-on-one against Shingun. But I do think that the Heat overall, assuming that the majority of the regulars play, and I suspect they will because we're only about a week out until the regular season now, then that is going to be a much bigger challenge as far as just overall, can you run your offense through Shingun? I think he had five turnovers that first preseason game. So can he be efficient? Can he make his reads even more quickly against a veteran dialed in defense with Eric Spolship, perhaps the best coach in the NBA? I think he leads that GM poll every year. And I believe he did this year as well. It's going to be a step up for him because he did have the turnover, turnover issues against the Spurs to begin with. And now going up against, you know, again, it's not just so much the one-on-one matchups, but it's really just the overall team structure of the heat. How does he look? Because he's the one guy that's going to be returning that you didn't really get a look at against the Raptors on Friday. The, the others, either you did, or in the case of Jabari or NEG, they're not going to be back. So how does Shingun hold up, not just one-on-one, but in terms of the processing of his reads against a really elite coaching staff and a veteran-laden defense? I'm right there with you. That, to me, is the biggest question. Because a lot of the other questions, not going to say they were answered on Friday, but we at least saw what the Rockets are trying to do. Whereas with Shingun, this is going to be his first time out there against a competent opponent. 
And I, I think too, one of the other angles of, of him now being in the starting lineup, uh, you know, for this for this third preseason game is we saw the starting lineup that featured Jay Shante and KJ Martin against the Toronto Raptors, and that was a bit of a shot. You know, KJ was yep. you know had a, had a solid first preseason game, but to throw him into the starting lineup to go from where we were in the offseason to oh KJ's going to get traded and he doesn't want to be here and his dad's unhappy and all this to hey he's starting games for the Rockets because they're missing you know key starters. I. I I'm really curious to see how those guys are able to play even better off of Alper and Shingun, right? Because KJ is an adept cutter without the basketball. Jay Sean Tate can move well without the basketball. And so then you plug in Al P back into the starting lineup where he belongs. And you have that kind of force in the offensive lineup instead of a Bruno Fernando, which maybe it's, maybe it's a disservice to Bruno because he had the opening play of the game against the Toronto Raptors, which was a really nice dime to KJ Martin for the easy slam at the rim. But that was also his only assist. Right. So like he, you know, he's the traditional rim running big, whereas Alp is going to if they continue to run a lot of the offense through him. And if the guys continue to move without the basketball, which has been a key point of emphasis from Steven Silas throughout training camp, throughout these early preseason games, even though he hasn't been there, he's been dialing in on Zoom and telling John Lucas, keep them moving without the ball. That's going to be really, really interesting to watch and see. And hopefully, right, we could be looking at a game with Alp if if things go well, you know, four or five plus assists in this one. Yeah. And. We should also point out that Tate did not play in that first game that Shingun did. So this is going to be the first time that uh, Jay Sean and LP are out there at the same time. And when we talk about Shingun, part of the adjustment to him as a starting center, it's not just about his reads. We let off talking about that, but it's also about how his teammates play with him because the structure is just night and day different to the types of offensive sets you ran with Christian Wood last year, because obviously to utilize LP, you need to be making these movements away from the ball. I think Jalen was already pretty good at that. I think the main thing with him is just, you know, having the legs to do it throughout a game. Uh, John Lucas mentioned this weekend, they got a little bit tired. Jalen, that is as, Friday's game moved along. So hopefully his conditioning is up for KPJ. It's more of an adjustment because he was not really an off ball mover last year very much. Of course, he was a primary initiator and there wasn't really a Shingun type that played a lot of minutes in the front court. Obviously, Shingun did, but we're talking 16, 18 minutes off the bench back then. So it is going to be an adjustment. And I do like the fact that if you have Jalen, who's clearly a willing off ball mover, and then we know what Tate and uh, KJ are willing to do on that front. And I assume that they're going to be the starters since Eric is going to be out again, that it makes it all the more difficult for a guy like KPJ not to buy in. If everybody else in the court is making those types of cuts, making those types of off ball reads. And, you know, maybe it's not fair to say that he's unwilling. It's just an adjustment. It's getting used to a different style of ball. And I think just as much as Shingun needs the reps personally, I think his teammates that are now playing with him, especially those starters, the guys like KPJ, Jalen, and Jayshon, they need those just to get into more of a rhythm. That's why I was a little bit unfortunate that uh, LP missed a game, but he's back. And I think moving forward, again, it's not just about what Shingun does by himself, but it's a good opportunity for the guys alongside him and that starting group to get used to the way they need to play without the ball to optimize all P and hopefully having guys like Tate, KJ and Jalen all out there makes it all the easier for KPJ to fall in line and do what he needs to do as well. We've talked about the couple of the guys who are going to be missing this game. Unfortunately, again, Jabari Smith Jr. and Eric Gordon unavailable. We're going to talk about what the, you know, what the implications are of Eric Gordon missing a pair of back-to-back games early in the preseason. We're going to get there in just one moment after a quick message from our friends over at LinkedIn. 
These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then all you do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it so easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, we know that Jabari Smith Jr. and Eric Gordon are going to be missing their their second preseason game apiece this time around, but for very different reasons here. We'll start with Jabari just because he's the, the quick hitter one. We saw him moving around at Rockets open practice. No more boot on his foot, which was a good sign. Unfortunately, good. right, there was that that picture that started circulating on social media where Jabari was wearing a walking boot and Rockets fans just were just in shambles. Oh my God, the world is ending. Jabari's going to miss so No, look, it's the walking boot was precautionary. This is yes. a world-class organization that is a multi-billion dollar organization. They are going to make sure that they give every benefit to him to heal as quickly as possible. And if that means putting even just a slightly, you know, moderately sprained ankle in a walking boot, they will do that if it means it expedites his healing process. It's not a world-ending injury. He was out on the court shooting around at open, you know, at open practice. He was signing autographs. He was in good spirits, looked good. The only reason he's not playing is it's precautionary, right? It's preseason. And they what they don't want to do is even though he's 19 years old, he's a kid, he's made of rubber. You could throw him back out there right now and he'd probably be totally fine. But the last thing you want to do if you're the Rockets is throw out your number three overall pick and his ankles at 85 or 90 or even 95% capacity and he re-aggravates that injury and then goes down for for an actual longer period of time, you know, and misses the start of the regular season, what have you. So the Jabari situation, I know fans are disappointed. Selfishly, I would like to be seeing him play as well because he was so phenomenal in that first game against the Spurs. Hopefully, the optimistic timeline is that he'll be back in time for the final preseason game mm-hmm. against the Pacers. Um, that's kind of where I would have my eyes set if you're if you're a Rockets fan and expecting to see him back on the floor. Now, the other guy here, Eric Gordon, is a bit more of a curious case because EG was a guy that we pegged. He's probably going to miss some chunks of this season, you know, sit out back-to-backs, you know, rest games, all that kind of stuff. But for him to be missing now his second subsequent preseason game in light of the fact that the first one was listed as rest and they came out and John Lucas said it was, you know, legs, leg stiffness, soreness, whatever, for this next game— it is kind of curious in the fact that this has happened now in back-to-back games early in the preseason, right after it was found out that Eric Gordon switched his representation. So yep. now, EG, you know, new representation. Could this potentially be the start of Eric Gordon kind of searching for maybe a new chapter in his playing career? It, it does make me at least a little bit curious because we didn't hear anything until the day before Friday's game about 
Gordon having any issues with, uh, I believe Lucas called it this weekend, some leg stiffness that just got released the day before as rust, which is a little bit odd because it was just the second preseason game and there was four days off in between them and they're at home. So it always struck me as a little bit curious, but whatever, it's October, he's a veteran, didn't really think much of it. And then post game, we talked about having uh, Eric potentially back on Monday. And then of course it turns out that he's not back. Now they're calling it leg stiffness. It is just a little bit curious to me because we know that over the next week in the NBA, there are going to be at least some transactions as teams have to narrow their rosters down from, you know, up to 20 in training camp in the offseason down to 15 plus the two two-way contracts. And so there are some transactions that sort of open up around the league a window, if you will, based on these moves that sort of have to be made. There's actually a firm deadline here. We know that's what drives deals around the NBA. And the fact that the Rockets didn't really hint at this being an actual physical issue. And now they're saying, and it happens at the same time that he switched his agency representation. It does make me wonder if maybe they, they at least want to leave the door open to having a Gordon trade as at least a possibility prior to the season in this window, if you will, where teams are trying to narrow their rosters down. The Rockets, by the way, also have to narrow their own roster down because with the Derek Favors trade, there's now 16 guys on standard contracts that I think expect to be on the team. And we're not even counting uh, Teo Maladon. So the Rockets are definitely going to have to make a cut. And it could be, of course, Boban or Favors, somebody like that. But they could also, you know, make a trade of, say, Eric Gordon or Garrison Matthews for a future draft asset, something like that, and free up a roster spot that way. There's a lot of ways you can do it. I don't think that anything is cooking or anything close, but it does make me wonder if maybe the Rockets want to at least make sure that they have the possibility. And of course, if you want to at least explore it, then it makes sense that you want Eric Gordon to be healthy and there's no reason to risk injury in games that really don't matter. And it's not like you really need to evaluate Eric. He is who he is. So again, you know, it's not that I can say, oh, I've heard that this is what's happening. It's just enough to make me a little bit curious because they did not really disclosed throughout last week there was any real physical concern they just sort of framed it as maintenance and now it's going to be more than a week off between games last sunday to today this monday game and that's eight days off in between and it's just all a little bit um odd is the best way that i would put it there may not be anything there but i but i bet at least on some level there there's some thought of hey let's not risk injury in a preseason game when this window is coming up, let's at least leave the option open and leaving the option open, of course, means making sure that you have a healthy Eric Gordon, who other teams around the league would see as a plug and play veteran to potentially help them. And then, yeah, as you said with Jabari, I'll be quick on this because there's really not, not much more to say than what you already did. The bottom line, any ankle sprain, even minor to be back to a hundred percent, you need to take at least a week off, even a grade one, that's fairly standard, a week off from serious activity and a boot really helps you just stabilize, not put that much pressure on it. And even if he's completely fine, John Lucas joked before Friday's game when I asked him that uh, Jabari was trying to talk his way into playing. Look, the bottom line is while he probably could play, he'd be 85, 90%, like you were saying, to actually get him 
to 100%, you need at least a week of like actually not going through full basketball activities. This is smart. You have two weeks between when the ankle sprain occurs uh, and when the regular season starts on uh, Wednesday the 19th in Atlanta. Use those two weeks. Um, I hope that you see him a little bit in Friday's preseason finale, but it, it won't break my heart if you don't see him again until the regular season opener. Just make sure that he's healthy and let's get 100% uh, Jabari and not a you know 85 or 90 because ankle sprains are one thing that can definitely linger. Coming up, the names that are probably going to be maybe potentially on the chopping block as the Rockets face this upcoming Rocket, or I say, I almost said Rockets crunch, but it's a roster crunch. It's a Rockets <laughs> roster crunch. There we go. That's a You try saying that five times fast. But the names that are potentially, you know, going to be movable as we look at this Rockets roster crunch, you know, that we just talked about with Eric Gordon. Plus, we'll take a look at some of the other storylines to pay attention to as we roll into Rockets Heat, the third preseason game. We're going to get there after a quick message my friends over at bet online betonline.net is your number one source for all of your football betting and info this season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game that you can get your hands on right now it's not football but right now you can take a look at bet online to take a look at who are the odds on title favorites for the nba this season you got the golden state warriors still the favorites even after the whole draymond green fiasco with jordan Poole, the leaked video all of that they are still leading the way at plus 575 to repeat this season Boston Celtics right behind them at plus 625. The Milwaukee Bucks in third place at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, you have the Brooklyn Nets and John Wall's new home, the LA Clippers at plus 750 apiece. So for all of that and more, head over to betonline.net to learn more about the trends and action available to you. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, as we were just kind of discussing there in the midst of the, you know, the Eric Gordon, you know, curious situation with his, you know, new representation, the games missed, the time away from, you know, not necessarily time away from the team because he's still practicing. He's still right. doing, he's, you know, the day-to-day activities. He's still there. It's not like he's in hiding. They're not putting him in <laughs> bubble wrap. He's just not playing in these exhibition games. Absolutely. Meanwhile, though, for some reason, some of the ways that, you know, they, you know, our, our, our fellow media members have been asking, uh, you know, the players and Lucas about Steven Silas, it does feel like Steven Silas is in hiding. Um, <laughs> just, just When was the last time that you heard from Silas? What was the, what would you say to him right now if you could talk to him it's just been, it's been a lot of fun um yep. just hearing what some of the guys you know just like well i haven't talked to silas since he since he left so um you know hope you're doing good coach but uh, <laughs> uh steven you know so steven could could possibly be rejoining the team in miami uh there was optimism that if he tested negative and was able to you know exit health and safety protocols that he would be able to join the team in miami on the sideline however uh he wouldn't be on the team flight down to south beach he'd have to catch a separate flight right. so just you know imagine steven silas just you know on Southwest Airlines just going to South Beach just uh hey yeah Rockets head coach um no but I, I kid I kid um as we look at the this this roster crunch Ben you know there I think EG is kind of that dark horse name that could mm-hmm. potentially be moved although if, if you look at you know any potential return on Eric Gordon deal you'd have to think about the fact that you know he's making almost 20 million dollars you're probably going to have to bring back at least a one for one trade of players Maybe even Probably. a one for two or one for three, depending yeah. on the team that you move him to. And that almost makes the situation even harder because EG right now, if you if you were able to flip him for even another name, then A, is that name a long-term deal? Is it something that you're able to just cut, wave, whatever, get rid of immediately, and then you're down to 15? Is it multiple names that you're bringing back? But 
you know, EG being the dark horse contender for that spot, there are three other names that I think are kind of the the names you know, that make the most sense if, if a move were to be made. Um, maybe four, depending on who you ask. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, I kind of have my eyes on Garrison Matthews, Derek Favors, Boban, and Dacian Nix, actually. But the two yeah. names that are, to me, the, the easiest to do this with to clear up a spot would be Garrison Matthews and or Dacian Nix at this point. Because mm-hmm. I think Derek Favors, the $10 million expiring contract, is a, is an incredible asset to have. I cannot see them just throwing that by the wayside just to clear the roster spot. And then Boban is incredible for the vibes. The team loves him. He was a hit at you know at open practice. He was a hit the, at media day. The all of MVP that. chance in the final minute of Friday's <laughs> game. Exactly. They, and uh, you know what? Credit. I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but at practice, Lucas was talking about the fact that he saw somebody, he said he saw somebody write something about Boban Marjanovic being the victory cigar for the Rockets. And so I think this might have been you. Yeah, I think it was. um, Because, you know, Fagan looked at the rest of us and goes, wasn't me. So um, it it immediately made me think of the Boban victory cigar tweet that that you put out. So so that had to have been John Lucas just scrolling his timeline, seeing your Twitter feed and and getting a good chuckle out of that. Um, I think it, it has to be down between it, unless an Eric Gordon trade happens, right? Which is the dark yeah. horse contender for and, clearing the spot. Dacian or Garrison make the most sense. Yeah. And quick thing on EG, that could be a slight incentive, not a huge one, but at least a slight one to explore trades before the season. Because as long as you do it in this window where you can have up to 20 players, then you can potentially accept a two or three for one to make the salary work of guys like, you know, the Dallas trio that they got with Boban to make the math work for Christian Wood and then release them as opposed to the regular season. You couldn't even do the trade. Even if you plan to cut all of those guys, the trade would not be legal because you would have to have that many roster spots to make it work. Whereas now you would still have to make some changes, but you would not have to make as drastic of changes as you would in the regular season to make, you know, a two for one or three for one for salary purposes work. So that's another thing that makes me at least a little bit curious that, you know, they might want to explore the market over the next week and see what's out there. Um, It's it's worth noting the Rockets are currently at the cap of 20 because they just recently signed Willie Cauley-Stein, the signing that was rumored much earlier in the offseason. And finally, they went through with it, although they basically just signed him for For his Geely rights in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then if you pencil in, you know, tail mallet on and Mo Harkless as two other guys are going to be waived. That would bring them back down to 17 right. names uh, potentially. Well, right. and then you've got Trevor Hudgens who's on a two-way, so he won't count towards the 15 cap in the regular season, but he does count towards the 20 cap yes. here you know, during the offseason. Yeah. So there's, there's, some, there, there's some gymnastics to be done here with how to balance yeah. this roster out. Yeah. When I look at it, I would just be very surprised if Derek Favors was the guy let go. I think if they were going to let go of a big, it would be Boban as much as it would break everyone's heart, including mine, to see that happen. The reality is that a veteran big that's not going to really play other than as a victory cigar. Look, Favors has at least comparable basketball value, if not more. He's younger, more athletically versatile than Boban. He just gives you so much more trade matching potential at basically $10.3 million in salary this season, as opposed to Boban's 3.5. As much as the vibes are important, I don't think it's worth, you know, taking a $7 million hit in terms of what you can do financially as you approach next February's trade deadline. So if it was between the two of them, I would just be very, very surprised if they let uh, favors go. It just comes down to math. I actually saw that Kelly Eco had an article uh, Sunday with projections for the Rock. 
actually projected favors would be the one to go basically sort of last man in first one out because he, you know, didn't start with the team the way Boban did from a culture standpoint. I understand in terms of, you know, chemistry, why you would make that argument. I just respectfully disagree that that's what Raphael Stone would do just because I think the way they're looking at it, especially in a rebuilding season, you have to think much more, um, I guess, math oriented. And I just think the extra value of that salary that favors provides gives him a leg up. As far as the others, I was actually thinking potentially next, because of course he struggled this preseason, especially Friday. Now in fairness to Dacian, I did notice when we were in the locker room before the game, he had a pretty big uh, simulation device around his midsection, I'm guessing for his back. So maybe he wasn't a hundred percent and, you know, his play didn't exactly look very spry. Maybe wonder that as well. So in fairness to him, maybe it's a physical thing, but I was, mentioning that possibility to Dave Hardesty, uh, clutch fans on Twitter earlier today, and David Wiener, Bima Thug, um, chimed in uh, when I pointed out that you could let Knicks go, and then unless he was claimed, uh, potentially sign him to the Vipers anyway and have him in a similar role to last year. And David clarified that you probably would not be able to do that because based on his guaranteed salary, it would be too much for the Rockets to then sign him to their G League affiliate. So if you did want to let go of Knicks, in all likelihood, you wouldn't just be able to, you know, hope he goes unclaimed on waivers, which is probably a safe bet because not going to be that many roster spots to start the season and, you know, then sign him to your G League affiliate. No, you probably couldn't put him with the Vipers either. You'd be outright losing him. So even though you can make the argument for Ty Ty over Knicks, um, they might even more err on the side of keeping Knicks since it's not like you really have the G league option. If you waive him based on his guaranteed salary, the one thing I will say, that's another like small thing. I think you can tell from the Miami and Indiana games this week, Ty Ty, you know, we all talk about being optimistic on Ty Ty, but the reality is that he hasn't really played very much in either of the first two preseason games, especially with the regulars, potential rotation players. So if the Rockets are at least considering making um, Ty Ty or perhaps Hale Maladone as well, um, basically someone other than Dacian Nix, your primary backup point guard, that I can't I can't imagine them just sort of cutting Nix go and without playing any of these guys with the rotation guys in the preseason, just saying a couple of days for the season, oh, by the way, you're our backup point guard. You're going to be in the rotation. No, if they're going to consider that, my bet is that at least – uh, one of Ty Ty and Maladone get some run with the regulars this week, not major run, at least like a, you know, eight to 10 minute burst, maybe four to five minutes, a half in like the early second, early fourth quarter, something like that, where you're playing with other rotation guys. So I think whether they're considering Knicks as, you know, a roster crunch option, you might see that a little bit this week, just based on the rotations, because if they're considering it again, I can't see the Rockets just doing it abruptly. You would have to do something in these preseason games to at least somewhat evaluate, you know, these other guys to see how they're going to perform and, or at least get their other rotation players used to playing with those guys um, in a real game setting. But yeah, I, I think the Matthews thing to me, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Eric Gordon thing is sort of pie in the sky. You never know when the right time is going to be for that. And probably that makes more sense closer to the deadline, just based on the nature of uh, guys with similar skill sets, the, veteran upgrades to a contender uh you may have more of a market as injuries happen during the season too i think you know in a perfect world could you consider that now yes but i think more reasonably you could potentially offload um 
Matthews for, you know, a protected second round pick asset, something like that. There's got to be a contender that needs shooting. Clearly the Rockets are trying to give those minutes at the three to KJ Martin and not Garrison. As long as KJ shooting is legitimate and that to this point, it's looked pretty solid. The Rockets clearly trust KJ. There doesn't seem to be a role for Gary. And so that to me is the cleanest fit that you can create a roster spot. And I also think, you know, the Rockets are going to have like an open two-way spot the same way they claimed Gary last year. And shooting is probably a skill that I do think that you can claim. That's something that, um, you know, they have a lot of high upside guys when we talk about athleticism, defenders. Obviously, they have a ton of big men. So my guess is that if they're trying to use their position when the roster crunch deadline gets here at the front of the waiver line, the way they did last year, there's a good shot that they would look at a shooter anyway, because that's a potential area of need on this team. It's also something that really wouldn't be a ton of overlap with the guys they're trying to develop already. So in terms of, you know, I've seen some people saying, well, could you really let Gary go because you don't know until the regular season, are you really going to potentially need that spacing to make some of your bench units functional? Well, I think there's a decent shot that by being at the top of the waiver line, because again, the Rockets did have the worst record last season. So they're going to be at the front of that line. Then you could get potentially a Gary bird light, if you will. I know that sort of sounds harsh because you know, we love Gary, but I do think you could use your position to get sort of a Gary bird light. And then if you could sort of offload him to get any sort of pick asset, then uh, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I would put that at the front of the line. Uh, maybe, um, Number two, a close number two would be Boban as much as that would hurt. And then I would say, you know, option three would probably be either, uh, you know, I would consider something off the wall, like an Eric Gordon trade. Um, maybe they do let favors go because he was the last one in, um, or maybe they just give up on Knicks altogether. Because again, you wouldn't be able to sign Knicks to um, the Vipers, according to what David Weiner was saying on Twitter earlier. Uh, I would say those, while not impossible, those are, sort of the least likely for me, the more likely would be either um, either Gary or Boban. Yeah, uh, Garrison Matthews, in my head, like all signs are pointing towards him as being the the most seamless fit as far as just 29 other teams in the league would love to have his shooting, even if it's just bringing him off the bench for 10 to 15 minute spurts. A team like the Lakers could desperately use his shooting, right? You just put right. him next to LeBron and AD and he'd be able to feast in a role like that, at least throughout the regular season. Postseason is an entirely different question. I, I find myself struggling with the idea of the Rockets giving up this quickly on Dacian Knicks after one bad preseason game. I've been fully committed to the idea that they're going to want to see him play a significant stretch of this season, You know, even if it's just 20, 25 games or so in a legitimate role, consistent minutes, nightly basis, all of that because they've been incredibly high on his potential as a player. So I just I can't see them giving up that quickly on him. I do kind of agree with your list, except for I will say Boban is just, I can't imagine that they would roll out the red carpet for Boban at <laughs> media day and involve him in so much of their like promotion and marketing and you know him you know becoming yeah. buddy buddy with Tari and Jalen and all that and then giving him the MC rights at open practice to do all that for Boban and then to cut yeah. him I just I feel like there's got to be some level of you know the front office talking to the Rockets digital marketing team like hey Boban's safe go ahead and feature him all year long that yeah. kind of thing I think that probably happened but the one sort of asterisk I would put on that is that they didn't know when a lot of those conversations were being had that Derek Favors would be here. The fact that that trade did sort of come out of left field uh, after the start of training camp, that's the one area that I could see them saying, you know, do we really want to have two roster spots for veteran bigs that aren't going to play? They're basically just leader 
uh, clubhouse guys who happen to, by the way, play the same position. So even if injuries happen and you actually do need these guys to fill out minutes, well, there's sort of duplicates anyway. You're not going to be able to play both of them uh, together, although that would be kind of hilarious if you somehow tried to roll out like a massive lineup like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's more likely than not that Boban stays. It's just, I think there's at least a possibility based on the favors thing. That's the, that's the best way I would put it. Yeah, and, and that, that it's it's those possibilities the reason we're kind of mapping out all the different directions this thing could work itself out as the Rockets need to trim the roster down to 15. But last thing here, Ben, before we wrap this one up, we talked about Alper and Shingun kind of being, I think, the big story or biggest story maybe headline going into this Rockets Heat game, how he plays against, you know, Bam Adebayo and the rest of the Heat bigs, how he handles the new defense, the step up in competition, mm-hmm. all that. What else are you looking forward to? What other, you know, potential, either if it's a specific player or a match up that you're looking forward to out of this third preseason game? I mean, for me, it's Tari Eason. He has clearly made it to where it's very difficult right now for Steven Silas and John Lucas not to play him. And it's difficult because at his positions, you've got, assuming Eric Gordon does come back to the rotation at some point, which assuming there's not a roster move, of course, uh, by the regular season, he will. You've got Jabari Smith, you've got Jason Tate, you've got KJ Martin, you've got these guys at the three and four spots, yet Tari putting up basically like 20 and 10 type numbers in 25 minutes without even having plays run for him, just based on basically hustle plays, uh, being in the right spots at the right times, also just really high IQ. That part was undersold on him throughout the draft process. He made some passes, including that full court one, the outlet pass in the second half of the Toronto game. It's just stunning what he's been able to do. But the obvious question with that is how much is going to translate to the regular season once other teams are fully dialed in? Because Tari is a guy who always plays with his hair on fire. He gives you so much hustle, so much energy. And the preseason is an environment where a lot of teams, let's be honest, they don't. And so on paper, you can see a scenario where Tari is just fortunately more valuable in the preseason just because his inherent gifts just play up even more in that environment. Whereas Miami, again, it is the preseason, but you rarely see an Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler-led team, we can throw Bam Adebayo in there as well, that doesn't show some level of commitment and focus. And so against a team that, Maybe they're not in playoff form, but they're certainly, you know, they pride themselves on the whole heat culture thing. You know, we hear that all the time. They're typically a very mature team in terms of just their style of basketball and their attention to detail. And they are going to be, you know, this is sort of, you know, to make the NFL analogy, what we often hear about in football, that it's the second to last preseason game that's the most important. And I think we're seeing that more in the NBA as well, because nobody wants to really risk injury in the final game. So it's that second to last, which this is for the Rockets, and I believe for the Heat as well, where teams do show a bit in terms of their um, their lineups, their rotations, because they're trying to get ready for the regular season. This is week two of a two-week exhibition period. And so how does Tari Eason's play translate against a team that's more veteran-laden, that's a bit more dialed in? I want to see that because the numbers so far are just staggering. I think the environment has helped him a little bit. But if he can do much of the same against a team like the Heat, even though it's the preseason, I mean, that's, to me, if he does it a third straight game, then you're at a point where, you know, I don't care whose minutes you're taking, be it Eric, Jayshon, uh, KJ. And when I say taking, I don't mean kicking them out of the rotation altogether, just playing them, you know, maybe 
you know, 22 instead of 28, something like that, because you've got to find a way to play Tari at least 20 minutes. If he can put up another game like the last two against the Heat in Miami, then I think that sort of lends credence to the argument that, hey, it's not just based on the preseason and other teams not really playing that hard and him just getting a lot of, you know, sort of hustle plays that aren't going to be there when everybody's dialed in. If he can do the same level of production against the Heat, then, yeah, that's where you really have to start buying stock in the idea that no matter whose feelings, you might have to hurt a little bit by playing them less. If he does it again, you've got to basically pencil in Tari for 20, 25 minutes, even from day one in the regular season, and just deal with the consequences elsewhere, whatever they may be. Yeah, I, I basically, you know, I kind of posited you know, at one point last week that the Jabari Smith Jr. injury may be a, a blessing in disguise, frankly, mm-hmm. just in the sense that Tari's getting a chance to kind of stake his claim for, you know, early rotation minutes for a spot in right. the rotation, be it 15, right. 20 minutes a night, rather than being brought along slowly, which is kind of how I projected right. they, you know, Steven Siles would kind of handle him, at, you know, throughout his rookie year, you know, kind of increase the minutes in the second half of the season, that kind of thing. I'll throw in my, my because I've got a pair of them here that, you know, are maybe a slightly smaller scale, because Tari is, is obviously another huge storyline and his play is going to be, you know, very interesting to watch to see if he can replicate it, like you said, a third straight time. Um, I, I want to see KJ Martin, right? Because he's he's had a couple good games now, and I'm very curious to see how he plays alongside LP, right? Because it, last season especially, he and LP developed such great chemistry playing off one another. I think KJ was arguably the best player at, at finding those windows to cut and play off of Alper and Shingun's passing ability. So seeing those two guys function together mm-hmm. in the starting lineup is going to be really exciting. Arguably one of their best games together last season was the Lakers game, which was arguably the game of the year for the Rockets, where they won in overtime at home against the Lakers. Jalen Green had his kind of like, coming to the NBA experience where he had the 19 straight points in fourth quarter and overtime, but inside that game as well, LP had an incredibly solid game starting in place of Christian Wood. KJ Martin got the starting nod that night instead of Jay Sean Tate, and those three had a phenomenal game, so seeing that kind of, that relationship, that chemistry between those two guys continue to grow because KJ's likely going to get the starting nod again in place of Eric Gordon being out uh, and Jabari Smith Jr. still being out as well, so seeing how those two guys continue to play off of one another and then Kevin Porter Jr., right? The, the Miami Heat are another, right? The, the Raptors were a step up in terms of the defensive intensity, the quality of opponent, all that from the Spurs. And yet KPJ, even though he still hasn't fa- quite had a game where he's been able to successfully at a high rate put the ball in the bucket, it's felt like his control and his measured approach to the game mm-hmm. has been different than last year to where even though the efficiency hasn't quite been there, it's felt like his impact on the game has been important and his control of the game has been notable to where can he continue that? Can he continue that against the Miami Heat? And can he couple that, couple the control of the game with actually getting back to his ability to put the ball in the bucket because that is arguably his best skill, even even better than his playmaking ability and his court vision is just mm-hmm. the, the, his flat-out ability to be a, a an elite scorer that then leverages that scoring gravity, that scoring threat into more opportunities for himself, for his teammates, all of that. So those are kind of the two things that I'm looking forward to out of this third Rockets preseason game. But Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep. Uh, ben Dubose on Twitter, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, rocketswire.usatoday.com uh, for all your daily Houston Rockets coverage and news stories, you name it. Uh, we probably got it because between myself and Brian Bearfield, Big Star Sports on Twitter, we try really hard to put out a good product each and every day for Rockets fans. And yeah, we should have some great stuff over the next 24 to 48 hours because I think, you know, the one way to sort of bring this uh, full circle to some of the points we're making uh, really throughout the podcast, but starting off with Shingun and the huge test that he's facing 
look, the final preseason game on Friday is Indiana, which is a lot closer to San Antonio. Not saying Indiana is as bad as San Antonio, but they're certainly not good. They are a rebuilding team. Whereas Miami is much more in the Toronto vein, even more because of course Toronto didn't have uh, Fred Van Fleet for that game. So this is your last big test of the preseason. If you want to see how guys like Shingun, KPJ, Jalen, unfortunately not Jafari because of the ankle, but so many of these other young prospects, we talked about Tari Easton play. This is an opportunity. So I encourage you to watch, read, listen to podcasts like Locked on Rockets. Um, it's a good opportunity to learn a lot in this game on Monday night because really it's your last time to go up against a, you know, a really top shelf opponent before the games get for real next week. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Ben, and we look forward to having you back here each and every week moving forward. Sounds good. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube where you can help out the show a ton by commenting in the YouTube comments. What are you excited to see in this Rockets Heat preseason matchup? Game number three for your Houston Rockets. Let us know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.